In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Everything has an end. Our lives will end. And as we say in one of our litanies, we'll stand before the dread judgment seat of Christ. To think about the end, to stand before that awesome throne, as our Lord tells us today in the gospel, the Son of Man coming in glory, his angels about him, seated upon a throne of glory. This is the end of our life. And as the end of our life, that is when we're able to accurately assess our life, that we can see what we have become. It is very popular, especially if you grew up in the South, to make a very, very big deal about the judgment, about hell, to spend some time dwelling upon hell, sussing out all sorts of details, making it as dreadful as possible. And in the church, we do not go to extremes. But in not going to an extreme, we can go to the other, other extreme where we don't think about this reality that we will end and that we will stand before the dread judgment seat of Christ. Deep in the tradition of the church, we have the remembrance of death. It's not morbid. It is not something to instill how should I say, reckless fear. But there is a sense, and a real sense, of fear, of awe before the end, when all that we have done, what we have become, is revealed as we stand before the Lord of glory. This is not to make us run and cower in fear. It is to drive us to repentance, to truly assessing where we are now and where our Lord calls us to be. Many approach the Last Judgment as a checklist. It's something that you know in the back of your mind, this is going to happen if you even keep it in mind. And so you can come forward thinking, you know, I've done X. I've accomplished Y. I was working on Z, or as the Brits say, Z. Perhaps, you know, I believed in the Nicene Creed. I made it to church when I could. I did some all right things. I wasn't bad. I believe in you, Jesus. But the Last Judgment is not about externals that is not about checklists it is a true revelation of who we have become it is where god sees us as he did throughout our life but now we stand before him 
truly exposed, truly naked, like we have returned to the garden. While this might instill fear in us, this is not a pop quiz or surprise quiz that God is suddenly going to pull out something, some rule of judgment, or that he is some kind of interrogator, or an inquisition is about to occur, where he's going to look for all of the little bits. But it is still a revelation, because we know the one who sits on the throne, sits on the throne with his hands and feet pierced, his side pierced, and blood and water has come forth. That his love for us is not something that he is seeking to squash us, kill us, destroy us, but that he has sought us to the ends of the earth, as we saw last week in the prodigal son. In this story that God tells us, there's two surprising things that occurs. When our Lord is parting the goats from the sheep and he tells them, this is what you've done. You visited me. You helped me. You gave me drink. The righteous answer and they say, when did we see you hungry and feed you thirsty and give you drink? When do we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Now, you may wonder when we come to the goats, what they're going to say. But they say basically the exact same thing. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? The surprising things that we find in this last judgment is that it revolves around service to others and then a revelation of what we naturally do, who we are. The righteous have served the least and they did not see our Lord in the sense that when they went out to serve, to bring that cup of water, to give, to be present, they did it without boasting, without taking selfies, without posting it on Instagram or Twitter or TikTok or Facebook or are there are other things. I think there are. The righteous did it because it was what they knew. Because they heard the voice of the shepherd. They followed suit. They did without double thinking you know, going back, should I, should I, what, what do I do, you know, oh, Jesus would want me to do this. They're just doing it. They do not let their left hand know what their right hand has done. They see need, and they love, and they act. The goats, the wicked, they didn't see our Lord because they didn't see the people. They did not actually see the hungry or the thirsty or the stranger, or when they did, they made a production out of it. That's one of the main challenges for us in assessing what we should do in following our Lord is a challenge of our fantasy or our imagination. 
what we picture ourselves doing, what we see as religiosity, and this can go in different directions. We see ourselves as these great uh, doers, or maybe we get in our head that holiness is somehow deep down inside of us that we know what our life in Christ is, but the fruit is absent. We can get lost in our fantasy or in imagination. And Lent is a great temptation for this. Because we will be coming to church. We will be doubling up efforts of fasting, of prayer, of almsgiving. And it is a great temptation to collapse upon ourselves. To have our imagination or our fantasies about our spiritual life all reside somewhere in here and never look outside of ourselves to others, to where we can serve, where we can love, where we can give just a cup of cold water. It becomes a temptation to become worried about nothing more than ourselves. We see in the example today the feast of St. Raphael and the life of St. Raphael. One who taught throughout this country, selflessly going throughout the entire nation, like St. Tikon, who consecrated, was one of the bishops who consecrated him to the episcopacy. His life was one of service and a temptation to withdraw, to not engage, to run back, to just enter into what may be fantasies that he had about what his spiritual life should look like, if he could just go to a monastery, if he could just go to another parish, if he could just go make that, you know, etc., that pilgrimage, instead of the day-to-day life that he had in front of him. We will all stand before the great judgment seat of Christ. All will be revealed who we have become, Let us follow the voice of the great shepherd. Let us become one of his sheep. Not only hearing his voice and seeing his example, but imitating his life. Where we will serve, where we will love, where we will go out of our way to help. And slowly but surely, as we turn to him, we find him in others becoming naturally what we were made in the first place that God made us to be, to love, to serve, to do all things to the glory of God and not to our own glory. For to him belong our glory, honor, and worship to the Father and to the Son and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Amen.